Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Greasters. Welcome to Series 6. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you're all doing okay. Bit, bit of a difficult time, isn't it? We've had, we've had since I last spoke to you uh, last year, I think, in December. Things, things have changed. Um, thank you so much to all of you who sent just really lovely, wonderful comments. I did have my second baby just before lockdown. Everything was fine. Um, you know, apart from the global pandemic, it was basically fine. And I am very, very grateful to those of you who have been tweeting and Instagramming at the Griefcast and messaging me um, because I know this has been a really hard time for so many of us, including all of the people who have just joined the club in this horrific time. So if you are very new, welcome. As I always say on the show, you are not alone. We have an incredible series coming up, loads of really exciting guests, those of, as ever, amazing stories. If you enjoy the show at all, please do rate and review and leave a nice review. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, it really helps spread the word about the show in a time where I think we could do with talking a little bit more about death and grief. This week, I'm joined by an amazing guest. I'm so excited that she's our first guest of Series 6. Her name is Candice Brathwaite. You may have heard of Candice already. She had a Sunday Times bestseller uh, a few months ago called I Am Not Your Baby Mother. Um, she's also known a slightly, I think it's an unfair term in a way, as an like, insta mummy, but she's more than that term gives her credit for. She's an incredible woman. Uh, if you do follow her on Instagram already, you know that she can cover such topics as hot dresses of the summer to talking to children about racism and I was so so grateful that she agreed to come and talk to me. Candice came on to talk to me about her dad Richard who died very suddenly when she was in her 20s. 
Candice, firstly, congratulations, because your book is one, amazing, <sighs> and two, is it still, it, it was two weeks in the bestseller list, right? Three. 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 Yeah. Three. Yeah. Oh and God. like, I was, in the end, I was praying for a month, but I was also like, n- no one, least of all me, expected to, from an ego perspective, yeah, yeah. call yourself a Sunday Times bestseller anyway. So I'm like, three weeks, it's still selling. That's People amazing. are still talking about it. It's like, it's a, it's a thrill. It's yeah. an absolute thrill. But I think, I mean, it's testament to your writing and also mm. testament to like, how needed this book was as well when you do mm. release something creative and people like start eating it up you're like oh no one else had been talking about this like yeah it's really yeah yeah desperately desperately needed but that is such an achievement mm. especially in lockdown mm. like books <laughs> you must I have been know. like oh my god what is happening <laughs> I, I was expecting like not well not a flop but I was just like the world has bigger concerns mm. I was saying to my publishers let's push it back they were like mm, let's not and then, unfortunately, and I have to be honest about that, the murder of George Floyd yeah. and the amplification of the Black Lives Matter movement just meant that that book got tangled up in mm. that conversation. And so I'm on I'm on a bit of a seesaw. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's great. But I'm also like, it might not be doing this well if we didn't watch a black guy be murdered on our phones. Yeah. Let's just keep that real, you know? I know. And it's an odd place to be. Yeah, I can completely understand that. It's it's like you said, that dual thing of obviously you're happy your book's done well, like mm. that's brilliant. But then because it's... Like I found that talking to some people and you know, God, like I am very, very early on my anti-racist journey and have so much work mm. to do. But sometimes you'd hear people being like, oh, it's so great, like this is happening. And then you'd be like, but is it great? Is it great that it's, it's taking this? It isn't, is it? Like, cause you're sort of, people are looking for like, oh no, they're looking for positivity, which I do understand because the world mm. looks like it's on fire. So you're looking like, well, maybe it's good that we're all having these conversations. You think it's not good. Like it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that it's 2020. I feel horrific that it's 2020 and we're like, oh, maybe maybe black lives do matter. Like you're like, oh, yeah. how is this? Yeah. yeah, which is, I mean, you know, like you said, it's a seesaw I think is a really good word, isn't it? Cause it's mm. like, it is a good thing. It's, it is a good thing it's happening, but mm, maybe that's not like pat ourselves on the back, white people. Exactly. <laughs> like, well done exactly. us, we're talking about it. Like, no, I don't, I don't think we get a cookie for it. Like, yeah, it's definitely not. Well, yeah, I mean, congratulations anyway that is for you that is a good thing but obviously yeah, yeah. contained in this very strange place that we live in so mm. who are we remembering today we're remembering my dad my dad Richard Brown who died when I was 20 20 yeah that's young yeah that's young. yeah I was 20 and he was 46 oh that is yeah young. yeah my yeah my dad died when he was 44 and I think mm. sometimes when you're younger you think Oh, they were old. And then as you get older, don't you? Like, no, they weren't. But when you're in that, you're sort of, I was 15. So you think they were up, they were old to me. Like, oh gosh. So, and um, what did he die of, Richard? He died of the flu. He died of the common flu. I know. So this means that this pandemic is just so ultra triggering for me. (sighs) He died of the common flu, which he just didn't, go and get checked for because we've all had the flu you take your tablets you you drink water you stay in bed usually the end unfortunately for him it turned into sepsis and by the time he he was he was meant to go to a football match and he decided to stop in at whips cross hospital 
before the match and ended up dying in A&E just because by, and by that time once they'd done all their tests by the time he'd gone to the hospital all his vital organs had shut down oh. he just left it far too late how he even drove there is still beyond the doctors they're like how did he even get here in this state it's that thing sometimes so, when people are so ill but they don't know it it's almost like the body carries mm. on doesn't it until someone says by the way you have cancer or you're like suddenly their body goes oh right but if they don't know it's almost like that lack of awareness allows some force to keep them going Uh oh uh my goodness me so so he died in hospital did they how did you find out i (laughs) i was an au pair in italy at the time in naples and i i think it was a saturday because the kids i was looking after had gone yeah it was a saturday and i was on facebook because facebook was huge then Mm. and that's the way i connected with people and i just sent my dad some photos of me going out the night before so this is really strange this is like 7 a.m italian time and I've, I've I sent the, him the pictures and I've walked away from the computer for about half an hour, come back and there's been no response. And I swear to you, I was like, I think my dad's dead, you know, like that was my wow. initial reaction to because he 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 lived by his tech so much. He died with his blackberry in his wow. hand. He died with it in him. So him not responding quickly mm. was uh, I was like, hmm. And I'm, I'm by nature. I just think worst case scenario. Yeah. And obviously, it was it was a flippant thought. I was like, God, I wonder if he's dead. Like he never takes this long to respond. Mm. The morning ticks on, and then my inbox is just acting really weird. I'm getting these emails from people I believe I don't know, and the emails are like, "Call us urgently. We need to speak to you." And I'm reading the names on the emails, and I'm like, "Who are these people?" And then as more emails come in, I'm like, "Oh, I know these names. These are my dad's work colleagues." Oh my god! I used to work with these people because I used to be a receptionist at his law firm. I was like, "Oh my god! It's so and so. It's so and so." Then I email dad again. I'm like, yo, dad, your work email's been hacked. <laughs> like, tell the IT team to sort their shit yeah, out. Yeah. This is very annoying. <laughs> Still no response. And then there's an email from my godfather that comes in at the top. And like, slowly, slowly, the wheels are starting mm. to go. And the first thing, I, I'm, I'm in such a, a, a fuzz now. I can't remember my dad's house number so I call my nan and I know my nan remembers everything I'm like nan listen I know I sound crazy but I think dad's dead and I can't remember the house number and I just need your help she's like you are acting weird calm down and you know she's being my nan and she's taking bloody long to like (laughs) find her diary yeah I'm just I'm just gonna put you on hold a second just being and in that time I remember the number so I just I hang up on her and I don't even say I'm hanging up I call his house and the line is engaged and then I know Mm. then I know because my dad never uses his house phone and I was like yeah yeah he's he's dead for real he really is and then the next email is like I'm no one wants to tell you this way but we can't get hold of you Mm. and even though I knew even though like for hours I'd been it started as a joke but as time went on Mm. I was like no actually 
none of this is his persona this is why is he not responding why are these weird people emailing me and just hearing it or seeing it not even hearing it I was like so you were still in Italy at this point as like you said all the cogs start to go and you're like oh it's not just my anxiety or me being you know and what's the word like worst case no this is real yeah oh my god so what, how do you, I always think it must be so hard when you're sort of out of your familiar surroundings. Yeah, and I was com- completely alone. Oh, my, my Italian host family weren't home. And I remember calling my dad's house phone back. His wife answered. Her and I don't have a great relationship. There was just this awkward moment of brokenness between us. Me saying, I'll call you back me then realizing i had no cash to get home because dad was meant to be booking my flight home oh, for christmas no. <laughs> and me being like oh, i can't even get home and in that moment feeling really childlike yeah. and being like literally my parents just died and that was the person getting me home then me calling some of my italian friends them calling my host family my host family ringing me in tears them coming home a few hours later and just booking the flights, packing my bag. That must have been like, such a surreal experience, like packing your bag. Like when you have to leave a holiday before you're meant to, not, you know, working holiday. Yeah. So it, it, your whole brain is like, this This isn't right. I was supposed to be, you know, you should have left that yeah. family with like, oh, bye, Candies, have a lovely, we've yeah. had such a nice time. And it's like suddenly having, like you said, ripped up from you. That must have been so yeah. strange. It was so horrible. And then then booking my taxi for the next morning and it being so early, I can't even say goodbye to the kids because it's like 4.30 in the morning. Oh, and I'm outside of the apartment block and it's pitch black and there are all these stars in the sky and it's just me on the street waiting for this taxi. It's like something from a film. Mm. It's really hard to describe. And I remember wearing this coat my dad loved, this really old Zara coat that had a... He used to say I looked like the Scottish widow. It had this huge black hood. And I remember the hood just engulfing me. And when the taxi came, me trying to explain what happened and the taxi guy telling me not to worry. And just fuzz. Mm. It's just so fuzzy. Was it weird? I wonder because... So he lived in London, right? you're from London I wonder like because Italy's such a different like it smells different and it feels different the air's always warm (laughs) it's so nice (laughs) like it must have been so strange to know like I said to be so in a complete environment that's not London that doesn't have anything about Mm -hmm. it and having to take that in that somebody back there like you said standing under those stars like that wouldn't happen in London (laughs) like it's such a weird but yeah god that must have been so hard so you came Mm. came back to London yeah, and then was it yeah. just chaos or <sighs> funerals? What was it? It's hard to it remember, was isn't it? A- it was absolute destruction because what what then started to happen is that I, I uh, my my dad was the only thread I had to his side of the family. Oh, that's so hard, it, isn't it? Yeah. So it's just awkwardness, it's fakeness. And then in the black community, you have what's called a nine night. Mm, um, yes, I've heard of that. I think a couple nights after I returned back to the UK, my 
godfather who was my dad's best friend comes to get me from my nan's house and it's all really awkward because I haven't been to my dad's house physically in about 10 years Mm. we worked together and I saw him but like I said because I didn't have a good relationship with his Mm. wife I just thought well I'm old enough not to do that now so I, I I so even going to his house was just it was like being shoved underwater. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because... So much emotion um, there. You go in and, like, his trainers are by the door and there's a shirt hanging Ugh. up and there's pictures everywhere and there's a used coffee cup. And I I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm. And, and that's then, not even an environment you're... Because if you ha- said when... I think when you go back to a house that you've visited a lot, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, I, I've seen that. I know that's where their shoes mm. are. But because you hadn't seen it, that must have been even more like, oh, that's how he lived, right? didn't know that's how the kitchen was or what he was doing that's so personal isn't it this is it and I just felt really choked up and I I tried to stay the night I tried I I was put to sleep in the spare room and I knew the spare room really well because it used to be my Mm. room when I was a lot younger but I just I know it's it feels like a weird time I felt so haunted and this was before um I don't know apps this was before apps because this was in like 2009 and I remember calling my friend at 3am and being like I'm getting out of here right Mm. now I need you to to get on teletext (laughs) I don't even know if people remember what teletext was (laughs) <laughs> and I need you to work out what time the station opens. And I wow. I hurriedly pa- packed my bag, put my coat on over my pyjamas. And I remember coming down the stairs, not wanting to wake anyone, but then remembering that as a kid, he would always like triple lock the door. And I'm really sure. And the, <laughs> the top lock oh, yeah. is really high. So then I had to run to the kitchen and grab a chair, slide the top lock off move the chair out of the way, pull my bags, and le- I just legged it down the mm. street, slammed the door and legged it all the way to Black Horse Road Station, which is on the Victoria line, and sat on my trolley until they opened that station. And what was that feel? Did you just feel like you just couldn't be in that space anymore? Was it just Yeah, too much? I felt... It felt... It felt foreign. It felt claustrophobic. I felt... This was my first ever interaction with oh, death. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I felt... I I knew I know it's my dad and I know I loved him but I just felt all of this energy mm. that kept me awake and left me unsettled and by this time if I'd slept straight for 2 hours that was a lie yeah. and I just thought I need to get out of here and before I left his blackberry was like on top of a a passport photo of him was on top of his phone in the spare room and I picked up his phone and I was the last dialed number on his phone. Oh my god. And I yeah, even now thinking about that, I was just like I was I'm still so angry. Mm. I'm really angry. And I know it sounds even horrible, but I really envy people whose parents get sick mm. and you get this steady decline and you get this wrap up like you know what's coming. Mm. I to have your parent might just rip from you so suddenly I think is such I just think it's so unfair and I know I sound like a kid saying that but I'm just like that's really unfair yeah no I I think it is and we talk about that a lot on the show of like there's no there's no good <laughs> really because when someone because the other thing is like my my dad was sick but he wouldn't talk about it so mm. we were in a situation where we I could have had like this moment this conversation, but he wouldn't 
and I was too young to instigate it so we didn't and then also you see them you sort of see someone in pain which is just yeah and then you know they go into this other Mm. place but then when they like you said when it's a sudden instant death that no one's prepared for I think the shock is so big because I think what happens if you have a parent who's sick only my experience you're still very shocked but I think maybe you're like 10% less you know what I mean like you're already slightly Mm. on that journey you know they're gonna die even though you don't want to look at it but you are it's not when they do die you're not like what you're like yeah okay Mm. I didn't know that was coming but also what the fuck just happened um but yeah Yeah. I think the the shock which must be wrapped up in kind of like post-traumatic stress as well I don't know enough Mm. about it but because when you just get a phone call or you have to put it to, together yourself, I think your brain, I think the human brain just can't process it. You know, it just, At just all. goes, no, no. And I, th- I thought I, I thought it was um, a lie for a really long time. So I was adamant about seeing his body, much to my regret. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, I really regret That's that. That's interesting. Why do you regret it? It's it's it haunted me for years. Mm. I think I only started sleeping properly without seeing his body before I slept. Maybe when my kid was born. So that was like six years ago. Wow. So it took a really long time for that not to be the last image of the day before I fell yeah. asleep. Yeah, that's very. It's so interesting because there's a lot of research about like how it's quite good to see the body because you're mm. it, it's something human that when you see them dead, you're something deep in your brain goes, okay, they are dead. And if you don't see the yeah. body, you can kind of, yeah, make this narrative that maybe they're not, mm. even though you know, obviously you know they're dead. But um, I think that happens a lot. It's, I think it's just it's just traumatic when some when a parent dies because I had for years, I would only see him sick. Like I would try and yeah. imagine him not. And I like couldn't. I couldn't see mm. anything but him being, he had pancreatic cancer, but it spread to his liver. So he went like completely oh yellow. So like, all I could see was like this really sick yellow person. And then it took years before literally memories of a like a well person Mm. came into my head and it's yeah it's so hard but I mean I'm not you know I understand I think when you see something so shocking I guess also because the death was so shocking for you perhaps that was the first time you really like connected his when you saw his body it kind of all again like all those pieces fit together and you're like oh he is dead so of course that's like yeah burned into your retina isn't it yeah like it was and like the the mortician did such a shit job Oh, God. I was was like, the cotton wool they used to, like, fluff his mouth out was, like, hanging out. And the staples at the back of his head were all raggedy. And I was just like... And, well, to be honest, that has... And I mean, this is, you know, I always always say, if God spares life, way down the line, I would love to, like, study being a mortician. Mm. Because seeing that really just made me realise how important that job is. And how, you know, if, you, if you're if you good at it, it shows. And if you're not, it really shows. Yeah. And I was like, I don't ever want anyone to see their loved one like that. It was just so rubbish. And I just thought, oh, that's awful. terrible. I think especially any like end of life care job, like if you have a bad experience with a funeral director or a nurse or a doctor, like it, you're so vulnerable at that point. And it's a bit, I guess it's the same as birth, isn't it? Like if you have like a midwife yeah, who's a bit yeah. rude or always horrible or doesn't understand you or listen to you, it doesn't just hurt. It like rips you apart. You're like, you don't understand. I am, I have nothing at the moment. I have no protection. Yeah. So when you do yeah. this to me, I, it's going to my, it's ripping me to my core at the moment. So yeah, mm. I, I can imagine seeing him like that must have just, 
on top of all the shock and on top of being 20 yeah. and having to be like what <laughs> like this is grown-up stuff which I imagine you know yeah. you weren't in that place of you know at all responsibilities and stuff because you're 20 and you're just finding out who you are but yeah. that is did you um so yes yeah, so you saw an audition then was there a big mm. funeral or there was there was a big funeral which was just it was absolutely horrible again the 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 strain family dynamics cropped up um when i got to the house i had come with my younger brother and my maternal grandparents and my uncle my dad's brother refused to let my family in the house he was like oh you can come in and he even said that begrudgingly but they have to stay on the doorstep and it's pissing down with rain and then all the floral arrangements are arriving and brothers turned up son has turned up husband has turned up no one's ordered a wreath that says dad Mm. and I absolutely lose my shit I I am screaming at the top of my lungs I am lunging at people I am I am I am threatening them that they will have to put his body back on ice if they don't sort this shit Mm. out like it was it was like something from me <laughs> i'm not gonna lie to you um, but that's the thing about grief and, it, it it hits you in ways you don't always expect and i think anger yeah. i was very 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 angry and i think that kind of like you said that that fury that can happen when you've lost someone is it can surprise yourself can't it like it's just yeah it, it, because because you've lost someone and it doesn't feel fair so then anything that doesn't mm. feel fair is like no because I've had to deal with this. Yeah. I've had to lose my dad. So don't you fucking add anything else. Anything because else. I can't, you can't handle it. It's so, that must have been so hard to have to deal with like a confrontation while you're trying to grieve yeah. your dad, you know? And then the, the, I think the saving grace was my dad's work colleagues who, who perhaps knew myself and my dad's relationship better than his own family mm. did because they've watched us work together and they know how much we adore each other they book me a cab to get to the church they're being really comforting I get to the church I pick up the service sheet my name's not on the fucking service oh, sheet God. I'm I'm my dad's only child wow. so it's not like you can yeah. like like you know replace me with someone or Or there's another child that is taking over or something (laughs) that you're like oh okay they're dominating they're deciding everything wow my god so then the pastor finds out I don't know who tells him that Richard has a kid and he's on like the stage and he's like oh my God, this man has a daughter who's in the congregation today and for some reason she's been left off the service sheet but I'm going to call her up here now because this is her dad. And then I stagger up there and I'm kind of silent for a few moments. And then I remember really eloquently letting rip. (laughs) You are so eloquent, I can imagine. Like you are. I'm just like, I eloquently let rip. And I remember saying something to the effect of like, you know, yeah, my dad's dead, but I promise you, you will see his spirit in me forevermore. Like it was a threat. Mm. It was a threat. And I, I, I'm trying to work through it with my therapist now because I'm having to admit that so much of the things I want to do or the places I want to be is absolutely to get back at people mm. who in that moment tried to discard me so quickly that I'm like, actually, I kind of like the idea of being on your bus stop billboard every day. <laughs> 
the same. Yeah. Which, yeah, I understand. Like, you know, because again, it's like we're talking about the sort of seesaw effect of success sometimes of like, it's brilliant and yeah. it's great. But also like there's maybe another side of like, yeah, fuck you. You're not, not laughing at me now, are you? And it's, that's a very human condition, I think. Like, you know, yeah. we're, we're flawed beings. It's never like, oh, this, mm. this is wonderful. I've done this just for the good of the world. <laughs> like, that's not how we all work. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. Well, how do you think that affected your grief? Because, you know, losing a dad is hard enough. Mm. <laughs> you know, losing your dad very suddenly is very hard. Losing your dad without the support of like their network and their family and being, like mm. you said, it sounds like there was obviously this communication breakdown and complications between mm. everybody and the difficult dynamic, which, you know, after a death, nothing brings everything to the top of the pan faster than someone dying. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's how we all feel about each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, but how did that affect like how you were grieving? Do you think it sort of I think I'm I'm still learning what to do with my grief mm. because then it went on to his ashes were scattered without me so I don't know oh god like so there's no grave site I've got no ashes no urn nothing like oh, that please. like they really took it to the hill oh, yeah they really they committed to this didn't they they were like we're not just gonna halfway house this we're gonna do this as much as we can so I'm just I'm still I'm still on that journey mm. because I, you know, I've got, there's a graveyard near my house. And again, I just watch people go there with, je I'm jealous. Yeah. And they're like tending to their loved one's grave. And I'm like, what does that feel yeah. Like? like? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, we talk about this a lot on the show as well. Of like, if, if you can have these conversations before people die, mm. it is so important because however well a family gets on, there will be complications because once that person isn't there to say, and especially like when it comes to ashes, graveyard, you know, all that kind of stuff, 
because I think sometimes we um what's what I'm looking for like we we sidestep it because it's it's uncomfortable of like that stuff really yeah. matters like you yes. you not having a place to go to is hard and mm. but then you know that could have been that conversation that could have happened with your dad but of course when you're young it's very difficult to think yeah. these things isn't it I think when you're older you think oh yes I should talk to my elderly parent but when you're like 15 yeah. or 20 you're like am I going to discuss them where they want to be buried like no I don't how do mm. I start that conversation but yeah, that yeah. must be, have you found a way of like making a place that you can go to? Because I mean, you know, really it's it's about you, not them. I, I, th- I think he made a place. My Esme is born on the day he died. Oh. And I, so I think wow. I'm very believing in like there being like separate planes mm. and him being there and me being here. And I think he, he works overtime on my <laughs> behalf. I, <laughs> I really do. I think he he looks at the situation and he's like, right, I couldn't control that, but I'm going to have a hand in all of this. And so when whenever I look at Esme or we celebrate her birthday, I'm like, okay, that's where that feeling yeah. is. That's where that energy is. And then my son is born on my birthday. Oh. And he's called, I called him Richard after my dad. And it, little Richard is just the mirror image of big Richard the attitude the stubbornness (laughs) the laugh I'm just like you will never meet this guy but you're just like twin flake it's just so cute and so I think so much of my grief is wrapped up in the love I have for my Mm. kids yeah and I think that's a very common thing that that happens as well I think it definitely happened to me that when you become a parent a lot of new grief appears (laughs) and a lot of understanding of them because you you know Mm. you weren't you were just a kid when they died so you you didn't know what you know you didn't understand the pressures of being a parent and now you do and you can understand perhaps why they reacted they the way they did sometimes or what they were going through so I think yeah it becomes it's a weird it's a weird moment where you sort of start having a conversation with them again isn't it because I think you can Mm. you can go through this sort of like you know your 20s like oh my dad's dead okay fine and then when you become a parent you're like oh you, yeah you can always hear what they're going to say or you know what they would think about that and yeah it's I find it I mean again I really understand because my thing the thing that really yeah, just drives me crazy is when I see granddads in the playground oh I oh, just yeah. I don't mind graveyard so much I guess because yeah I guess you know we did spread his ashes but when I see mm. like a you know this grey-haired man pushing like a girl on the swing or like yeah. you know if my friends are like oh you know my my dad's being so annoying he's picking up the kids and I'm like oh like you're so lucky you're so lucky you're so lucky that you've gotten someone to be annoyed at but as it with all things you only you it's hard to appreciate what you don't understand the worth of if you haven't lost it isn't it it's easy when you're on this side of the table to be like be nice to your dad like just appreciate him because you know everyone has different relationships but yeah I think that's amazing that he is you know lives on in both of them I think that's really interesting because yeah. like yeah. Esme has his day and then Richard is like him that's kind yeah. of really that's really special that's really amazing yeah that it's just it's amazing to watch and be around and like you said I just think of I and sometimes I laugh and I think actually I'm glad you're dead because <laughs> the spoiling I can just like yeah. I know he'd buy Richard like those stupid mechanical BMWs like a kid oh could yeah, drive, yeah yeah and I'm just like <laughs> I think that's if you can hold like I said this to someone once like as as someone who's lost a parent I think what it makes you realize is all a parent can do is love you so much love you so much that when they die you kind of still feel it 
Like that's basically yeah. all they can do. You can't really protect them from so many other things. Yeah. But the fact that you can know what he would say, you know, you can uh-huh. have these conversations with him. And my therapist said this to me once because I was... I felt like the conversation ended too early. That's what used to make me really angry. Uh, like I was in the middle of something where, you know, where'd you go? And she said to me, yeah. the conversation is still going on. And I found that really like, oh, right, fuck. Like it, it is, isn't it? But not necessarily yeah. in a physical form. Mm. But that is, again, painful and wonderful at exactly the same time that you can think, oh, he would have yeah. bought them this, but he can't buy it. Like it's, it's so mixed, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It really... And Esme speaks of him like she knows really? him. Which is really funny. She's like, yeah, Grandad Richard would have done. And I'm like, well, how do you know that? And it's just... <laughs> That's so sweet. Like, she, she's so confident in her understanding of him. Mm. So I'm just like, actually, oh, it's hard for me. But I appreciate what death has cracked open in mm. me. And like you were saying, how honest it's made me about what I want, mm. how openly RJ's too young, but I'm 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 fiercely honest with Esme. I'm like, you know, and I, I don't try to scare her, but you know, when she's around her friends, she she speaks so confidently about death. Wow, that's amazing. She's like, Yeah, one day we're all gonna be dead. <laughs> and, you know, then the room goes silent. <laughs> I mean, that's my kind of kid, but yeah, I'm, I imagine some other mothers are like, what? What did she say? <laughs> oh, we deal with death very openly in this house, actually. Um, but that's, I think that's amazing. Yeah, and it's a bit, it's, but it's so funny because my, my other half, Bode, Papa B, I call him, has not lost anyone oh, like that. That's interesting. That's really interesting. And so there is sometimes slight loggerheads. Yeah. Because he's just like, I know it's coming, but I don't want to mm. know. I don't want to hear it. I don't. And then when you've got a six-year-old who's like, Daddy, you're going to die. It's like... <laughs> it's like in his face. He can't get away from it. Well, good. I think good in a way. I feel like you need to have these conversations. And I think yeah. what, a, what a privilege that she is aware of it. You have had that conversation. And she might mm. then have that, when she's older, might have that conversation with you and her dad about what yeah. do you want? Where do you want to be? And like to have that, early as mm. you know all too well when it isn't there yeah because this is what i always think is like yes conversations are difficult yes it's hard to see talk to a child about that do you know how much harder it is for that child to deal with the consequences of not having it so it's like you yes. have to weigh it up with you know with all things parenting mm. it's like like you said you age 20 having nobody in your corner because those conversations yeah. haven't been had like it's so it's amazing that esme can do that it yeah. is hard. My um, my husband, when we first met, he hadn't lost anyone. And I, I used to be mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, you don't get it. And then very sadly, he lost his dad, then his mum. So he actually oh, even like, <laughs> the joke is like, Jesus. oh, you, now you win the grief competition. <laughs> like, I, I used to be like, you don't understand. He's like, no, you don't understand. And I think it is hard, as we say on the show, for people not in the club. Because uh. I think what they don't understand... <laughs> When you lose a parent, and you know, especially if you lose both, like you just lose a bit of safety. And I yeah. think people who still have both parents, there's like just this, I don't know, like five percent more confidence about the world in them sometimes. Of like the people who made them are still here. I don't, I can't work out why. Like what you know, I I can't have a scientific theory for why you feel like that. But it is like there's something yeah. stronger 
sometimes mm. or maybe it's just like you said like not thinking the worst sometimes of like you know they have a belief it might this be all right and i don't have i don't have good very good relationships with anyone else so like it was like well no that the, the only remaining guy is my granddad who every time we speak um we end our conversation with don't you go anywhere now <laughs> and he's like i'm not going anywhere kid my granddad my maternal granddad and my dad are the two men who definitely made me the woman mm. i am and i it was my granddad who took me to see dad in the chapel of oh, rest wow. and the way granddad was just so loving on that mm. body and i'm like in the corner like i don't want to see that don't you dare and i swear to god if granddad could have got in the <laughs> coffin and laid next to him he would have <laughs> And, like, he was stroking my dad's head saying, don't worry, I'm going to see this one through. Oh. You know, I'm not going to go anywhere until I think, yeah, sh- for sure, she's set. And oh. so I have that I have that one person mm. still. But I do... T- I say to my therapist all the time, I said, I do... I, I do have these feelings of being an orphan mm. or an outcast or just completely an island. Yeah. And as much as it hurts and it makes me sad... I think that feeling definitely contributes to how in my work life, in my day-to-day life, I don't give a mm. fuck. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. care. Because I'm like, actually, there is there is no pain you can bring to my door mm. that will exceed yes. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no embarrassment, there is no shame, there is there is nothing that will supersede that moment. So bring it. And I think once you're in that position like good things can happen because I live my life with a sense of all right you know touch wood it doesn't happen to your kids or anyone you love for a really long time but you know how this ends girl Mm. so what are you going to do with the time in in between (sighs) wow yeah I think that's (laughs) amazing way to put it amazing it's really hard with grief because I think it can go either way it could not really kick you down the stairs and destroy you mm-hmm. or it can as it has with you and I think I feel the same like it gave me this for better word kick up the arse of like okay yes time is short you just got to get on with it I think I've lost it a little bit but fi- the five years after he died I was untouchable there was nothing you could have said to me nothing I'm and I think back now to the confidence what I didn't realize was confidence I was just so devastated I didn't give a crap but the way I used to speak to men or friends who annoyed me I was just like oh I just don't want to do that like you've just upset me okay I remember people's faces being like she's very honest and me thinking well you know like I don't know oh that's just how I feel and now I'm much I feel like it's I've lost it slightly that like not caring (laughs) because it just sort of creeps back in you know normal life creeps back in but that feeling of just like you said I've just been through this thing that's so painful and so difficult Mm -hmm. whatever you're moaning about really is is so small really even though it might annoy me and it might affect me it's not the death of someone and I used to really feel like that I I remember breaking up with someone like when I was a teenager and they were really upset and I was like I'm not dead like why are you upset and I just couldn't understand because I was like yeah I'm here you could still technically see me because to me I was like if people aren't dead basically it's fine and I I mean that is quite a harsh view but um I think it must be very difficult for you said because like do you have any contact with any of his family at all now 
None. Mm. Weirdly enough, um, uh, the daughter of my godfather reached out to me a couple I think one thing a Sunday Times bestseller will do is bring a lot of people out of the woodworks and oh too many too many oh hello you again right okay okay I'm getting a lot of messages um and she dm'd me and I was hot with fury Mm. I was hot and I had to remember, I was like, right, the heat is not for yeah. you because you're slightly younger than me and we used to play together as kids and when dad died, you were a kid mm. too. This is not your fight. In my response to her though, I did say like, oh, thanks for reaching out. You know, I want to, I want a few words with your dad. Mm. Here's my email. I've not heard a single pipsqueak. Yeah. And because I've not heard a pipsqueak in 10 years, that hasn't changed how I feel. But his silence, I'm like, I'm also, because now I'm an adult, I'm like, yeah, that it's kind of awkward. Like, how would you start this email to me? What, what? what is the you know and it was my it was Bode who was like because I was gonna ignore her message and Bode was like no he was like you want to do so much with your life he's like the way that that situation has not been closed off for Mm. you affects you so deeply that if that opportunity is there he was like I will shove you (laughs) in it so you respond to her but now the ball's in in his court in their court and should the ball not come back again like I said nothing nothing's changed for Mm. me because I've been doing this for over a decade and you and you start to live with the fact that you like there's so much I want I want old football shirts where are my 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 dad used to love his camcorder where's all our home videos where are those all I have physically of my dad's is the stuff that his workplace allowed me to clear off the desk wow is that it that that's that's it that's it so like I was just again like this orphan just leaving with Mm. a box I think it's really it's so difficult isn't it because when you are an adult you do start to see like oh it's hard like it is I I think when you're when I was the same I was so so angry with everybody when I was 15 because you're like you're supposed to be the adults like you're supposed to sort this stuff out it's not my job and then as I've got older I've been like okay I do see that people have lives and they have their own issues and it's you know sometimes they're looking at something and they they didn't know what to do so they in my head was like you did the wrong thing and then as I've got older I thought maybe you just didn't know you didn't know what to do you hadn't been raised with enough emotional vocabulary to even reach to me (laughs) but but also the problem with that you know you can be empathetic is like you said you know he's right papa b i love papa b is that it (laughs) it affects you it damages you having that pain yeah and I think, yeah, I'm, I'm sure for that girl, like, it's hard because if she, she was, you know, as much as a child as you were, like you said, and mm. I think sometimes if the adults don't set the tone, it's very hard for children yeah. to do something different. You kind of take your lead, don't you? Yeah. So if, like, everyone's like, oh, well, we're not, we're just, we're not talking about it and we just don't see candies mm. anymore, that's the end of it. Then as a child, you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's what, you know, it's, you don't realise yeah. till you're older that you're like, why did we stop seeing that person like maybe they needed us like it's exactly it's really and I went on her page and like she's got married and 
my godfather was of course in the mm. photos and it, again it just made me I was just like I know it's it's it feels like a weird term but I was like excuse my French I was like you fucking mm. thief yeah you think like I think there is so much you guys have of him that won't replace like him walking me down the no, aisle no. but you you don't get to hold all of that all those memories yeah. all those boxes of physical or spiritual stuff why are you hoarding it when the only person on this earth who can say they are connected to him by way of like DNA is is shot out mm. from that. I, I don't I, I don't get it. It's really it. hard, isn't it? It's really hard. I think also what I've learned through my journey is sometimes people don't realise like how much you need that stuff. Like I've had people mm. be surprised and you're like, Are you kidding me? Like I I is it a photo? Is it a memory? Like is it something he said? Like yeah. and I'm so like I feel like I'm so hungry for it. Like please, please, please and they're like, Oh you want this? You're like, Yes, yes. <laughs> like I do want that. And yeah. I think sometimes because their relationship with that person was so different, it's it's tricky for them to be, to understand child to father. Because mm. no, like you said, you're the only child. So you don't have like a sibling yeah. to be like, yeah. oh yeah, like I get it. And I think that's, sometimes people are seeing them as a friend or a brother or an uncle, you know, they're seeing it that way. And they don't mm. realise when you're a child, you just want anything of theirs that, and yeah. I, there's actually like, I've read grief theories about it. It's called, um, transitional objects so like anything that mm. you know they have a connection with that allows you to remember them but keep them with you like it's it's actually a very important mm. part of the you know not you never get over it but a very important part of the process and I totally know that feeling when you're like you have it give it to me <laughs> like, and you can't be like just give it give it to me give it to me fucking give it to me you have to be like have you, have you got anything that um, <laughs> it's, it's like you're so you just want it so badly don't you it's just yeah it's really... and I just it's just, a, it's a lot. And, you know, that's the reason, it's my reason for having two kids. Mm. And, it, you know, oh, it's, wow, it's my yeah. only reason. And people are like, really? I'm like, listen, mm. I, I, I know what it feels like to be an only kid in that scenario. Mm. And I need for when my time comes, hopefully when I'm grey and done with this shit anyway, <laughs> that <laughs> those two have each other. Mm. Yeah. That they are they are bonded in their grief for mum. Mm. I could not I could not imagine just leaving Esme to that. No. Like no. I do no, understand no, no, no. that. I do and it it's I, I interviewed um Emily Dean who very sadly lost her sister and her mum and dad, but she was saying when her sister died, the thing that was so hard was she lost her witness. And I was like, "That's such yeah, a powerful statement." I know, and it was like she, her, her parents were quite chaotic and very avant-garde '60s people. So she said they had this mad childhood, and the person who she could always look at and be like, "Do you remember when they got us out of bed at midnight to do a show to like <laughs> Doctor Who?" Like, had gone. So she said she kind of felt like, "God, did I make? Did that happen?" Because I think you really do. Obviously, only children. If you're listening, you're fine. I'm sure you're fine. Like, it's yeah. it's a personal experience and choice with children and stuff like that but it it does sometimes can be a very wonderful experience to have someone who understands that mm. dynamic and I think also I don't know if you have this like when I lost my dad I really I think I can say this I really wanted some people to step up and they didn't mm -hmm. and I yeah. think now I've come to a place where I'm like okay I just don't think you could you had your own grief and your own stuff mm. but for a long time I was like 
I was the girl without a dad. There was all, like you said, these male figures. Where were you? Like, did, you know, and there was lots of, you probably had lots of promises. And then it doesn't sort of, I think people really want to help, but they don't realise that help is like, oh, you've got to show up a lot on a regular basis <laughs> you yeah. can't just like yeah you've got to like help me move yeah, yeah. you've got to like put up a shelf yeah. you have to like just check in if you're like... gonna if yeah you, you you have to and yeah I can I can vibe with you on that no one stepped mm, up for me it's hard and so as young as they are I'm like and lockdown has been very helpful for this where I'm like that's your person mm. and I look at RJ and I'm like to Esme that's your per. don't you ever mm don't you ever that is if mummy and daddy aren't here your person's yeah. here don't forget that yeah it's really powerful it's it's i think you've obviously learned a lot of lessons through a lot of difficult <laughs> <laughs> done learning done still it's still going at school when does it end i know like it's hard isn't it and i think also every time you as you get older you keep you like you said the conversation keeps going so you know things happen yeah. I imagine for you did you have it with the success of the book did you have a moment where mm. it was like bittersweet because yeah know, your dad's not here to completely because it I wrote it in the book there is I was about eight years old and it's a summer's day and we're cycling and he stops at the corner shop to get me a cornetto don't know how the conversation came up he was like oh he always called me canned uh you know what canned I always wanted to be a writer but as a black boy in the 70s it's not going to happen for me so you know um but don't worry about you you can do anything now here I am doing anything and I'm just I'm I I'm I'm just like can you see this like I'm always like can you see this this?" oh my god that's amazing Candice yeah I'm just like constantly gesticulating to the air like look at this dad look at this like and just and 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 what seem like smaller things like buying our first house yeah yeah you know and and you and I just think yes he died young yes I was young but oh my god like in the short time we had together I am so much of the work I create is rooted in all of his Mm. teachings and I'm like and so I I even when I'm in meetings with management or whoever I sometimes accidentally say we (laughs) and they're like who are you talking about I'm like oh sorry because in my head it's it's him and I wow I'm like, oh yeah, we're gonna write another book. They're like, who? I'm like, oh, me, me, me. I mean, me. But I just, yeah, I feel like we're still on this journey together. I think that's incredible. I think that's really, really, just lovely, because if you can love someone that much that they can carry that love with them for this long as you have been, and help you do the things you do, like, like I said, as a parent, that's all you can do that you were able to walk away from a really difficult situation but still not be not lose him even though you've you know you've lost him and you've lost the physical possessions and you don't have the contact I feel as well like there's I didn't quite get what I wanted maybe in this in this sphere (laughs) but I I do I do know he loved me and that is like yeah when you're thinking oh I wish I had that photo I wish that person had stayed in touch you're like well what we the big picture what really matters is I do know he loved me and that 
I mean, that is like, that is... And that's the thing, because some people have all the bells and whistles and yeah. photo albums and stuff, and they're still like, mm. And... Yeah, and the relationship still... <sighs> exactly, exactly. It can still be... You can have everything, every piece of them. You can have their house and, <laughs> and still be like, oh, our relationship wasn't great. Well, yeah. Richard sounds like... What a man. He sounds bloody brilliant. Yeah, he no, he, 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 I still talk about him in present tense sometimes, but no, he is very, very dope and very funny. <laughs> very funny. Sometimes I'm just, I, I, I laugh till I cry. And Bode's like, are you and your dad joking again? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's so nice. If you can, because if you can be that funny that from beyond the grave you're still cracking your daughter up, like hats off to you, Richard. That is some skill that some comedians never have. Still making you laugh. That's amazing. Oh, he's uh, yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for talking to me. Like I really appreciate thank it. You for me. Um, yeah, to Richard, what a man. Thank you. This was amazing. Yeah, to Dad. You can follow Candice on Instagram at Candice Brathwaite. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland. The music was provided by The Glue Ensemble. Artwork was by Jade Perkin. And the show was recorded in my living room. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are not alone. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started